Hello and welcome to the... I felt like I shouted that for everyone. Hello. Right, let's try again. Hello and welcome to the Little Minds Big Ideas podcast with the Early Years Network. Ben is back in the studio. I'm back. I think everyone liked Lucy last week though. So yeah, I feel like I was close to losing my job. Nearly lost your seat. But I think... It's safe, you're okay. I'm alright. I probably will get Lucy back. If she continues to be that popular, no. But she needs to come on and sing the song, so at some point... We do need to get that. I'm going to get um, my little helpers as well. To give you a little sing-song? help me with that, singing the song, yeah. Okay. That will um, be up on socials. It will be up on socials. Um, it's actually just when they're both in the setting at the same time. We're not having different them... days. I'm not having them two back on the set for a while. <laughs> no, we'll go into the setting to do that. Um, to do their good morning song for everybody. No, it is funny, though, because every time you go down to see them, they're like little, um, little superstars. I'm going to do a podcast. <laughs> no. <laughs> Carnage. Bless it, no, do you love them? Um, yeah, this week we are going to be talking all about observations because there's kind of two sides to observations, isn't there? You either love them or you hate them, and I think it's quite nice to throw our thoughts yeah. in about it. Yeah, I was about to dive into it then, but hold I'll hold back. Um, I'm learning, I'm getting better at this podcast, but huck. Um, and actually, we've got a class going up on the website um, this month, or beginning of next, not sure what the schedule is. By Lucy, all about the different types of observations and how you can use them in practice. So we thought it, before that comes out, we just it'll be this month. Um, the post is going up um, next week about what's coming out this month, and then the content will drip next week and the week after. There you so, go. You heard it here first. And I'm not. I'm not sure how many classes yet. It could be quite a big week, uh, big month this month. Yeah, I've got. I've got one sat there. You've got one sat there. I might have another one oh, done by the time. So there, there could be there could be five. I might say five this month. Okay, get over to the earliersnetwork.co.uk. Don't miss them. Don't miss out. Um, so, yeah, we thought we'd just jump in on observations and have a chat about our opinions on them. What about our exciting news? About? Where we're going. We are heading to the London Olympia. For? The Childcare and Education Expo. You struggle with that so much. Really do, I don't know why. Um, yeah, on Friday the 1st and Saturday the 2nd of March, we'll yeah. be there, stand B20. B20. Um, uh, do you know what? I've said B20 everywhere. I'm fairly sure it is, but imagine if it's not. Well, whoever's on B20 is going to hopefully get a load of people. <laughs> we'll no, it's us. Um, we've got the whole gang going down. Gang, really gang. excited. We have, there'll be seven. Seven of us. of us, yeah, in our green, black or navy hoodies. Yeah, we've got a right assortment, all white t-shirts who yeah. find us. We'll all have the network logo on, so hopefully you won't miss us. Uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to this, aren't we? We've got a few goodies, a we few um, special treats. Uh, it'll be worth swinging by and saying hello. Um, if we, not, just to chat to us and yeah, come and say hello. see us in the flesh, but also an opportunity to get your hands on some bits and bobs. Yeah, are we going to announce what's in the hampers? We could talk about it. I don't mind talking about it. It's not a secret. We're kind of creating a co-regulation well-being early years hamper for both adult and child. Using some of the bits as well from some of our lovely um, collaborators on the network. So obviously we've got Ben Kingston Hughes's course up on the website and we will have his latest book, a very, it's not a very unusual journey into mm, joy. It's about, it's, called, it's about joy. Yeah, I can't remember the actual title. We've got the first one here. We have. Um, so that will go into there and there'll be some Molly Potter books because we have a Molly Potter on the um, the website talking about um, emotional intelligence. And then we have some other little goodies that we think will support in settings yep. with emotional intelligence, regulation, et cetera, et cetera. And then some goodies for adults. There's some of those cool little um, 
We're going to sell them everything. Oh, Colour Monster. Yeah, we have a set of... Set of Colour Monster in each hamper. So definitely get yourselves down to the stand because we will be running a competition on the day Mm -hmm. if you could enter for free and win a basket of goodies. Absolutely. So, yeah. It'd be nice to actually... Because we went to the manager show, didn't we? We did. But we didn't have a stand and we were sort of just there, just perusing. Whereas this time it'd be nice to actually have a stand and sort of get an opportunity to meet everyone. Talk about the project and show it off because people maybe don't really understand what it is or what it looks like and what the platform does and how it can help your setting. So it'd be really good to show that to people in the flesh. Yeah. And it'd be lovely just to meet. We have got a lot of listeners, so it'd be nice to actually... Yeah. Because we just sit in this room with a camera and a microphone, so it'd be actually quite nice to put some... Um, I would say put names to faces. We don't even have names. They can put faces to faces. Face to faces. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely if you're there, come and say hello. It's be really nice to meet people. And if you aren't doing anything on the 1st and 2nd of March, then yeah. maybe think about swinging by. Um, Get down to London. Absolutely. Always good fun. And we are treating ourselves a couple of days before because it's my birthday. We're setting up on your birthday, aren't we? No, we're setting up the day after my birthday. We're setting up on the 29th. Oh, no, I thought we were setting up your birthday. Okay, well then we are going down. Yeah, and we, we have celebrated a few of my birthdays together. Ben still hasn't. Still confused on the I date. Have, I haven't put dates together yet with the event. It's just that I know I have to turn up there and get everything ready. So we are going to treat ourselves a few days before. So it'll be a lovely birthday weekend for me to spend it with everybody at the expo. It will. So yeah. Right, observations. Let's get into it. Let's jump into it. There you go. That's our plug on the expo done. <laughs> we can jump into the podcast, the meat of it. The meat. So observations. I think... <laughs> There's sometimes an air of negativity around observations and I don't really understand as to why. Yeah, I think... Is it the knowledge behind what an observation is, why it's so important, the purpose of them, things like that? Do you know what I think and where it stems from? Remember in, I don't know which podcast it was now, we sat and we spoke about um, historically observations and assessments. Oh, I think it was in... It was the EYFS Changes video. That was it. And we talked about how, and I think it gets a bad rap because of the amount of paperwork that was introduced. And we said it almost became an industry of itself. It sort of felt like it took over. These companies appeared selling you um, sheets and assessment documentation and all this um, bits and pieces all around creating observations and frameworks and cohort tracking and assessment tracking and all this jazz. And it just went from zero to 100 within the space of a couple of years. Yeah. and I think from that then the stigma came around observations that it was then closely linked with ugh, paperwork. And that's quite dangerous, I think, because I think observations are the most powerful tool we have, I almost want to say, along with building relationships and things yeah, like that. Yeah. I think observations are crucial because and when I talk about observations, I'm not just talking about sitting down comparing a child's development and learning progress versus some learning goals in the UIFS, I'm talking about actually getting to the root cause of the why behind certain things. And that can be anything from from a holistic development point of view. It's the why behind children's play. We could talk about schemas. We can talk interest. we can talk about yeah, children's interests. We can talk about loads of things. And then yeah. that then orchestrates our actions and our interventions and our, our environments. We could talk about behaviour. We could talk about examining children's um, patterns of play, patterns of behaviour, to then figure out what their emotional triggers are. You know, what is it in our environment or what is it in our routines or what is it in the day that triggers that child? Again, it all comes down to this being observant and observations. And 
you don't always have to write it down, but we work in teams and writing things down makes information and communication an easier process. Yeah. But there's no right or wrong way of doing things. There's just a doing it to your best of your ability yeah. to help that child. And if the best of your ability is that actually I'm just going to note take and then I can remember a lot of it because I can remember that child, but I'm going to write what I need to write to share and cascade that information across yeah. my team because I might not always be there or do you know what I mean? Things happen. So if you go on holiday and all the information's in your head and you go away for two weeks and that child is set up to have an awful Week. couple of yeah. weeks because uh, no one else quite understands his triggers like you do etc etc we yeah. can jump into this as the podcast goes on but i think that's where that negative stigma potentially stems yeah. from i think as well it's um is i think is what you're right in saying that it's the amount of observations but then i don't know if when people join the industry we are selling it as oh you've got all this to do by this date blah blah actually like you said if we can if we can sell observations in a way that's actually going to enhance your learning environment because you will be able to observe what children enjoy, they don't enjoy, what works well, what's been causing accidents, you do that without even realising that you are observing mm. your environment. You can observe the way children's patterns of behaviours throughout, throughout the day go because if you are realising that actually at the height of transition times, just because you've not written that down as a formal observation, you have observed that transitions can be tricky. Yep. So what are you going to do to reflect on that? Yep. And I do want to talk about reflective practice in this because that's such an important part of observations is reflecting. So if, yeah. we, if we go back to then the, this idea that they're often met with a, a, a negative stigma, yeah. do you think when uh, people come into the industry new, do you, think, do you think we do a good enough job at explaining? That's what I'm saying. I don't think we... In, I don't think we teach people why observations are important because I don't think we always understand why they are important. And I don't know if it's because we went from having to do so many observations. I remember at one point I was doing two a week on every child, every key child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you got to the point where you're just, you're pulling at strings to be like, what else can I write in a snapshot about this child? Yeah, I think... Child A walked up the stairs, great, tick, done. I think often then you get observations intrinsically become linked with the sort of arduous motion of of, of ticking children's um, development against a tick list box, a criteria box of, yeah. or have witnessed them walking up the stairs, tick that off the box, write an observation about little Henry, use the handrail and walked up the stairs, right, done, Henry's mastered the stairs. Like it becomes intrinsically yeah. linked with, with that, whereas realistically it's about zooming out and then and, and taking that bigger picture that holistic view of that child well you stood with rachel the other day mm. who was finding uh, rachel is one of our managers she has popped up on the network she po yeah she's at the podcast yeah. she's at the expo you'll see her face but she was really finding a child's behavior quite challenging for her personally she has got the muff experience to actually stand back and say I need somebody else to take over and help here because I'm... The child wasn't purposefully meaning to <laughs> single Rachel out, but Rachel just found that behaviour just a little bit challenging that day. But the two of you stood back and you observed him for probably about five minutes. Yeah. Maybe not even that. And you picked up on things that Rachel hadn't seen because she was so in it. Where yeah. she were like, and like you say, you've zoomed out and you've looked at the bigger picture. Now, for me, that five-minute observation should be written down 
passed on to the entire team, what are we going to do now, looking at this observation on this child, to support him moving forward? Now, in terms of his behaviour, it wasn't actually that he was, wasn't hitting anybody, wasn't hurting anybody, it wasn't anything like that. It was just destructiveness, I would say. Yeah, because there was a group of children that sat on the floor playing with, let's say, Lego. I can't remember what they were. I think it was Lego, Some yeah. form of Lego, building blocks, wasn't it? And um, and there must have been about seven of them around the tough tray where it was being held in, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, and they were all really... Focused and yeah. doing their own thing. And their own thing. <laughs> and he came across and started annihilating it, didn't he? Kicking yeah. it in left, right and centre. And then immediately all the other children, without... I think one child pretended to shoot him, if yeah. I remember rightly. Yeah. But the rest of them just, just almost accepted it and walked off, didn't they? Yeah. And then he just carried on playing with his cars in his own, no, his he own used world. No, Lego he? to build his own train and then he played with them that his was own it. thing. So it was like he, it was from our point of view, it looked like he wasn't sure how to join anybody's play. So to get everybody away, then he could play. A lot of people sometimes think I'm crazy when I say it, but a lot of children need to learn how to play. Yeah. And or play with others. Well, that's well. the thing. There's different forms of play. So watching him, he's very good at and his concentration levels hit an all time high. Mm. And from what Rachel said, confirmed that when he is in his own bubble, he's in his own world, he's imaginary play, he uh, manages to take himself off and he's very concentrated and fixed on that. When it then comes to playing with other children and that form of play he looks like he really struggles to engage. And that's why I said, for me, that observation would be written down and my next steps, what I would then focus on in that room would be for practitioners to slowly begin to join his play. And the word join is, is the key part of that there because it's not about taking over. It's not about changing his play or adopting it. It's purely just sitting with him at first because at first he might reject it. And yeah, then the second time, you might object to it. And the third time, you might not get anything from him. You might think, well, it's just absolutely pointless. But by the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth time, you might actually start joining in his play. And then by that point, you might start learning some of the skills they need then to engage with other children. Yeah. And then after a while, the other children might not just see him as someone who's going to disrupt and ruin their play, but they might start embracing him then. But he um, might also understand that he can join others' play and it's not going to be a negative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, we've gone on a tangent about this one observation. But I think what is what I'm trying to say is, is that from those five minutes, you were able to pull out yeah. so many things that in the moment, in on the day, Rachel wasn't because she was so absorbed in it. And we might be wrong. We could be completely wrong. And that, but, but that's 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 good. You know, sometimes being wrong is a good thing because you're you're working through a process. You're trying to fit a puzzle together. Children are really, really complex. Yeah. In terms of what's going on, brain development, they can't communicate clearly because they haven't quite got the literature yet they haven't got the language for it so it can be a really difficult thing to piece the puzzle together of every individual child and that's for me what observations are all about it's about building a picture and expanding this puzzle yeah. if you like it's not about looking at minute things what are against a tick list and just writing it for the sake of writing it because if that's what you're doing if you're collecting observations that then they're filed away, sat in a drawer, go onto a computer system, whatever you might have to store observations, and then nobody is ever engaging with those observations ever again, then what you're doing is a waste of time. But unfortunately, yeah. that is what it is. And actually, leading on from that, I had an interesting conversation with another manager who was struggling with a child who's transitioning from one room to another, and the room he's going into said, I don't know enough about this child. Mm. So Olivia's first question was, well, have you read his most recent observations and assessment? Yeah. Because she said to me, 
if that's the first point of call, I'm going to learn a lot from his learning styles, where he's at, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's spot on because actually otherwise the key worker's written these lovely observations and learned the way he's doing things or whatever it might look like. And then he's going to a new room in a new environment. And yes, you could do transition document and you can talk yeah. about his comforters and you can do all these things. But actually reading those observations is going to give you a more holistic view on how that child learns. But it has to ensure that those observations aren't just a sentence and a tick list. Yeah. Those observations need to be a story in themselves around that moment. Um and I think that's really important that when children are transitioning, observations and assessments are part of that transition because without them, somebody has to remember what's happened a month ago, a week ago, three months ago, whatever it looks like. When if you've managed to write that down, and I'm not saying people need to write things down all the time. I think as part of our cycle, it's it works out as one a month, but it's four across the term. Yeah. So it's assessments. four... No, four observations across the term, right. an assessment every that term. That feeds into it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but come on, you read the cycle. <laughs> um, but I think it's important to understand that actually tying yourself down to even one a month, you might have a child who has joined your environment and is really struggling to settle. You're not going to get a lot straight away. And I think that's right. really important. So having those guidelines in place, but also being flexible with them, it's really important when you focus on assessment. I mean, observation, sorry, because children will do things at different times. So like I said, me trying to write two a week on my key children was really tricky, especially if some of them only came into the setting one time a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to get two in one day. And then you're ma manufacturing something, like I said, for no purpose. Yeah, falsifying things. You're trying to find things that aren't there. Whereas if observations are naturally within what you're doing, you can start to enjoy them because you're seeing... The difference. And, and that's why I remember, I think about five years ago now, we reshaped all of our observations and assessment, didn't we? Because I remember sitting down with the nursery managers. It wasn't that long ago. It was three years. Three, four years ago. I remember sitting down with the nursery managers and looking at children and, and looking at what they were collecting from an assessment and observation point of view. And when you saw the children in the room and then you saw what was written down, it didn't make any sense. We were ticking children off willy-nilly. Um, writing observations about them. And then when you actually watch these children, they, they, they were nothing alike. They were completely different human beings. And that's because they have seen them witness these children do something once, twice maybe, but, and then ticked it off and then developed. We were sending children to university, not primary school, by the end of, by the end of their stay with us. Uh, and it's about, if we're doing something... And there's no practical reason for it. We're not utilising that information that we're, we're gaining... We're not, do you know what I mean? There's no yeah. way, we're doing something for the sake of doing it. What's the point of doing it? Exactly. So in reality, I'd applaud anybody to look at what they're doing and analyze what they're doing. Many people watching this will probably be absolutely whizzes at it and uh, I'm fine, cool, carry on. But many people will still be doing things because that's just how we've always done it. That's just, we, what we that do. is what we do. And I hate observations because it's a pain in the ass and I spend most of my time just writing on a tablet for the sake of writing on a tablet. Yeah. And then no one ever looks at one right and ever again, maybe mum will look at it and then think, oh, it's nice. And then boom, it's forgotten about. That's not purposeful. No. And that's either because what you're doing is, is for the sake of it or we're not actually embracing the observation yeah, and the meeting the meeting. They are and how they how they can impact a child's learning. Because if you're observing a child do something over and over and over again, what's your next step? It's not necessarily the child's next yeah. step, but what are you going to do then to scaffold that and take it further? 
And sometimes I think the next steps that come from our observations and assessments, it's about, oh, the child needs to um, regulate their emotions. Brilliant. Okay, what's your next step? How are you going to get them there? Because actually, next, I don't I do understand why children have next steps because there is milestones that you want them to hit, etc. But you should also have next steps for yourselves and how you're going to adapt your practice, environment, uh, routine, etc., to help them achieve that next goal. And my, my class that comes out this month on co-regulation really delves into it's our responsibility. I mean, when you read the ELGs and stuff around self-regulation, it's not far off from being a joke, if I'm completely honest, because it makes it sound as if the children are responsible for their own self-regulatory development, which, when you think about it, is it's, it goes against science. It's, it's, it's chaotic. Um, it's like saying a child has to learn language in a quiet room. Of silence, pick up the English dictionary and learn it. Learn, learn English language without ever talking to anyone. And then by the time you're five, I expect you to be able to talk fluently and engage with me. It's just, it's nonsensical. I think it's um, something that I have observed for years and years is that a lot of people struggle with two-year-olds. My personal favourite age, bloody love it, love a two-year-old room. But some people really struggle with it because... And this is something we've kind of discussed and I do want to create a class on this because I think in a baby room... We're all about nurture. We're all about caring. At that baby age, we're all about relationships and building those relationships, Humans. giving com content, not content, giving comfort, sorry, and, and, and doing all these things. And in preschool, we're all about school readiness and we're all about independence and we're all about you can do this and have conversations and you push them to that next level and it's all academic, blah, blah. Shouldn't be, but yeah. No, it shouldn't be, but... But in terms of... In a way, it is because the activities you're... you're Providing children do have that academic twist, you're able to scaffold them yeah. in a way to provide literacy and numeracy skills without sitting them down and doing it. It's the term school readiness that makes me shudder. We'll get into that on a different day. <laughs> but from my observation, in the twos room, they're expected to get ready for that preschool age with no help from what they've got in the baby room. So all of those attachments and yeah, skills yeah. That they've learned to build with people, well, no, you're two now. You should be independent. You should be... Poor child has had used to having so many cuddles to regulate themselves, goes into a two environment and should be expected to do it all by themselves and they should know how to put the shoes on and they should know how to do the coats and all these other things. And then they're thinking, well, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Five minutes ago, I was next door with my key worker having a cuddle, regulating my emotions. In 12 months' time, I've got to go in that room where they expect me to do everything by myself. And I'm in this room thinking, somebody help me. Yeah. Then we deal with two-year-olds' behaviours and the observations are, oh, they don't listen, they run around, they don't want to do this, they're too into... Jesus Christ, give these two-year-olds a break. And I always say in a twos room, you need to observe the individual child because actually what worked for your last group of two-year-olds is not going to work for this one. It might, but nine times out of ten, it's not. And I think it's through observations we learn that every child is different and every child needs something different. But in a two-year-old room... Why is it that they're expected to know so much straight away? So through your observation, surely you should be thinking, right, this child has just come into my room. Has anybody taught them how to put their shoes on? Yeah. Or are we just expecting now that they're two, there's a brain click that's gone, oh, shoes. I mean, from, I a, it. Thank you. from a toddler two's room point of view, it's, it, your assessments and everything you do really need to be geared towards developing self-regulation exactly. through co-regulation and, and independence. independence yeah they're the two foundational pieces but i think it's it's learning ourselves as well and observing that they don't just know it it doesn't just happen 
I helped a child in the twos room yesterday put their shoes on and I didn't, nobody said anything. Like he just woke up from his sleep and I was helping him. So he, we helped put the shoe on the first bit of his foot and we were saying, push, push. So he understood that he has to push his foot into the shoe. Now, if anybody had never told him that, he'd be flopping around with his shoe. Like, well, how do I put my foot in? Yeah, yeah. So we talked through the motion, but there is this expectation that two-year-olds know everything and through observation on them, you learn that they don't. No. And I don't know if I've just picked that up over the years and years and years that I've worked with two-year-olds, but they don't. And every two-year-old that I've observed observed moving into a twos room need that support still i think when you said earlier people don't we've really got off top here but people you said earlier that people um, quite often shy away from twos room or don't it's not yeah. their favorite it's because it's that, challenging. That, yeah but that age group is they're physically developed beyond a baby in the sense that they've started to develop motor skills not far off preschool by the end of it yeah. like they're physically grown they can move they can cause destruction so sorry i hit, went off on a tangent um, and just... you can do those things and then you've got the delay in the front Primitive. the front cortex development. So they're very much still aligned with the amygdala responses, that emotional impulse, that emotional response. That's why it's challenging. Because yeah. you've got the you've got a preschool almost in physicalness, not quite, but more than a baby. Maybe, yeah. And you've got the very raw, unnurtured, underdeveloped front cognitive um, processing ability. And that's why it's difficult. Yeah, but I think when you think about observing those children, it's really, really crucial. And if you're just creating a tick list, yeah, it's not going to do anything. Yeah. So that's why I think observations need to be detailed and a little Meaningful. bit more. Yeah, um, we have gone off topic. I do apologise. But the next thing I kind of wanted to touch on was like developing... I, I love going off topic. I love, I, I love the chaos... In the chaos of podcast. Stand up for the two-year-olds. I feel like I do a lot. I love a two-year-old. I think this this I think it's the best age. But anyway, so developing your observation skills only happens by doing it. Yeah. The more you do observations and the more that you are part of that process, you're gonna learn it. And that's where reflective practice comes in because you reflect on what you're doing and how you're observing children. Yeah. And I think the interesting one, we always talk about observations and when we talk about the types of observations and we talk about, we always just think of observation in play. I think most of the time is is, is the common reference yeah. to, because I think sometimes when we, we used to compare them and we go back to the tick listing observation format, mm. you force a child into something and you coerce them into by walking up the stairs or whether it be writing or something, you force them, it's very adult led. When in reality, you want to create environments and test children within certain circumstances to see what they're like. Yeah. So you can break observations down and think, right, I'm going to get an observation of this child in play or play with other children, or I'm going to get this child in an observation mid-routine. You know, how do they transition across routines and how do the, our routines suit this child? Because you'll often find it is the routines where a child is likely to become uh, deregulated. It's their moment in time, especially if your routines aren't locked in and stable, you'll yeah. start to find potentially, you know, if a child's becoming deregulated at any moment in time, that would be for me the time to cue into and observe them based upon that trigger. Yeah. That's what it's all about. It's always, for me, observations should be so centered around the why. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're looking at the why of something happening. It's that trigger moment. It's that trigger point in time, whether that be then, like I say, through play, 
through um, movement transition across the room in a certain environment? Is it is it an environmental led trigger? Is it yeah. noise? Is it have they just been trapped inside all day? Is it the lighting within that room? Because we can then talk about you know that horrible office lighting, that that tube yeah. lighting you see in so many settings in schools especially. That can really mess up your your rhythm, your cycle, yeah. y- your understanding. Your body clock works on light and natural light. Um, it's your Arcadian rhythm. Have I completely made that word up? Sure, it's, it's that within you that mm-hmm. helps develop and cycle your brain. So you understand when it's time to sleep. You understand when it's time to eat. Yeah. It gives you that that pattern. So I would really focus on the always thinking when you're writing observations, the why. Yeah. Because that's what we're looking for. And unfortunately, I think a lot of the time we talked about that child earlier, that instant where we, where we observed. You've got to make sure with your observations and when you're looking and thinking about the why, we're not just focusing on the children that take up our time because they are the boisterous children. They are the ones that cause us the most angst. It's those sometimes the quieter children of, of of, they may just naturally be quite withdrawn, but it's about investigating the why behind their withdrawal. Is it just because that's what they are? Is it just because that's the type of person they are? Or is it because they are withdrawn because the reasoning behind the withdrawal? That yeah. could be anything. You know, we're, we're now getting into the idea of being hypo-arousal and the child withdrawing into themselves. There might be something behind that. So again, it's about exploring that and yeah. engaging with that. Um, talking about the different types of observations, so I did double check with Lucy about which observations she kind of went over in that class. Yeah. Um, and she covered all of the observations that are... Well, you're going to say she covered all of them. No, all the observations that um, appear in the level three qualification. Makes so if sense. you are doing your level three qualification, that class is going to talk you through all the ones that they talk about. Um, she mentioned uh, narrative observations, snapshot observations, recording, um, event event sampling, time sampling, I think there's a couple more. Um, but yeah, it's not things you do every day, um, different types of observations, but it is interesting to learn about the different types that are of an option to do. Um, so yeah, Lucy does go through all of those, so I don't think we need to harp on to all of them. Okay. Um, I don't know... We kind of covered the challenges and strategies that come with it. You have to work as a team when trying to formalise your um, observations and making them sort of like in the system that you do, whether it's an online system or a book or however you make them available to parents. You have to work as a team because your notes are fantastic, but like you say, you've got to get them down somewhere. Um, And a lot of places you don't get time out of the room to do that. It's not like in a school where they get PPA time to collate information and things but you have to work together i think is finding the time to have team meetings around observations is really important because it gives you that moment in time that opportunity. okay we've got you find something different go on, oh, go on carry on what were we saying i was saying during the day-to-day finding the time to write those observations up and formalize them properly yeah. so you've got to think about those those quieter periods we've got children that are sleeping and you're in a sleep room can you use that time productively to write your observations up but then it's sharing that time because you've got preschool who don't sleep, nine times out of ten won't sleep. So are you working as a team across a building to um, to share staff and support each other? So I think that's really important because observations for everyone are are important. And if you're covering in a room, there's no reason why you can't get an observation on a child. You might get a better observation than most people consistently in that room because yeah. like we said earlier, you, you are zoomed out. You're You've not non-biased. got a non-biased opinion on it yet. And whenever I go in a room, I do try to get an observation on a child at minimum because, like you said, it's a different view. 
And I think that's really important because supporting people is crucial and reflecting on what you're doing and what others are doing is really important. And it is a challenge. Not being able to get out of the room to do observations is... I mean, that's a, an interesting point because one, um, on my class on CoReg, we delve into the work, or I say we, I, dive into the work of Dr. Stuart Shanker, who does, has done loads of scientific work on, on regulation within children. Um, and one of his five R's that he breaks down to talk about regulation, how we can support children with, with regulation, it talks about um, having non-bias when yeah. it comes to examining children and not bringing a bias. And what that can often mean is when we label children as the naughty child, when that child picks up a tag or a label, we, we know it's wrong, but it, it happens. And it, even if they don't get tagged it out loud, our heads and our minds, it, it happens. We do internalize these thoughts and we work with these children every day to become familiar with them and you develop biases. And I'm not, when I say bias, it's not the generic term of biases in like, oh, I prefer that child over that child. It means we develop a fundamental view. We, we have our biases of our opinions and our thoughts. And when you're doing observations and you're assessing children and you're working towards things, it's so important that we can clear them out. Yeah. Because it's so easy to just think that child's doing it because he wants to be a pain in the bum. That isn't true. Like, let's, let's, let's rid that. Let's get away from that. And let's analyze and view that child. And like we go, I always go back to the why and the triggers. It's about analyzing the, the, the things that occur to get to that moment in time, that final output. What's building towards that output? What is it during the day, during the child's life what's happened to them what is that 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 point because if we can get there that we can put things in place to help release that stress and that anxiety or whatever is causing that behavior yeah no exactly and that's a really important step and, and i think one of the, the, the other aspects we got onto and we talked about was when we were talking about or i was talking about the idea around so i thought somebody was walking in so might um, come back to you yeah, okay. Move on. Never mind. That was weird. Um, the next one I think is, which is quite important. Oh, organisation. Sorry. Oh, oh, it's come back to my he's brain. back in the room. The organisation of, of the day. So yeah. if we're struggling to get observations done and we're struggling to get these elements done, it's about thinking, well, well what is our day like? Is there periods in time where we're not actually that productive? What does it look like? And it's about analysing and trying to become as productive as we are. That's where your reflective practice comes in. And that's it? where those elements the come into and like you said earlier, it's about working in a team because if, yeah. if, if, if you've got the opportunity to relieve someone else to go do something, for example, if you're as a baby room, have got a period in the time when you're sat with the babies upstairs asleep and preschool are really up against it and struggling to find that time as a team, let's think about how we can work together and yeah. little assets like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, another really important part of observations is including families, including yeah. parents and carers into yeah. your observations and encouraging them to do observations at home too. Yep. Um, in whatever way they share that with you. Um, a home observation is just so important though. So important because even though it's not, the parents might not have a knowledge on the EYFS or seven areas of learning or whatever. And we'll have strong biases like we just talked about. Yeah, but they will be able to give you an insight to what the child does at home, what they enjoy, their interests. Even if it is just that the child is really interested in the Gruffalo at the moment. We went for a Gruffalo hunt at the weekend. Yep. Brilliant. If that child's struggling to settle with me, I know that the Gruffalo is something they're really interested in. Let me bring that into the setting a little bit more. Or they never stop talking at home, but then they get to the nursery and showing signs of hypoarousal and they're very quiet. Yeah. Interesting again. Yeah. It's just all those things and encouraging parents and teaching parents why those observations are really important because you can learn a lot about a child through observations at home. 
And it's a great opportunity to educate parents through yeah. our, our to give them information about what we're doing, why we're doing it, what we're looking at when we're observing children yeah. through those observations. Yeah, exactly. So I think collaboration with families is really important and it builds up your parent partnership. It builds up those conversations. It builds up your relationship about how much you know their child. Um, the one thing that you learn in early years and they teach you is that nobody knows a child better than the parent does. Yeah. Um, even though it feels like sometimes the child is out setting more than they're at home, but actually... At the end of the day, the parent knows their child best. And so you need to have a fantastic relationship with them, with joint observations from setting or childmind or whatever that looks like and home to be able to build that relationship further. And um, at the end of the day, we're all here for the best interests of the child. Yeah. You'd like to hope anyway. Things so um, I think it's best that we work as a team inside the setting and outside to bring ideas together to push forward for the best for that child and if that's not your sole purpose, then you need to evaluate what it is that you're doing within this industry. Because at the end of the day, we should all be here for the needs of the children yeah. and what's best for them as individuals. One thing we haven't spoke about or, or considered is when we talk about different forms of, of, of observation, people can often struggle with writing them because it's always, it's always written. And so if you're dyslexic or you have a barrier of entry there, it's probably about recognising that as a team and supporting someone. There's also different ways of doing it. You can, if you talk into most smartphones, mm. it will record it for yeah. you. You've got then got the issue around having a smartphone in the setting, I guess. Yeah, no, but if you've got a, a nursery phone or a yeah. tablet, yeah. nine times out of ten, even the tablets, you can... We used to have a member of staff. What do they use? Tell oh, them on the iPad. Yeah, it was I can't remember what it's called. What it's quite a popular, yeah, popular app, isn't it? Um, that would just help her to write the observations and assessments, and yeah, because just because you can't write or you struggle with written word, the observations that you come up with will still be absolutely vital. Well, you get a voice recorder and you record exactly what you're watching, mm. and then another member of staff can help you type that up for you. I mean, you can use apps these days and online that you will just transcribe it for you. Yeah, you know, record it on TikTok and then put the captions on. <laughs> No, I just mean a voice recorder. If you're yeah, in the yeah. room and you're observing a child, you can talk about it really quickly into this microphone. Yeah. I think if we're talking about barriers to entry for observations, it is things like that, though. If you're dyslexic, struggle to find time, yeah. blah, 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 blah. There's, there's plenty of, 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 of barriers to it. Yeah. It comes to working as a team. Yeah, you know? and I think it's if that is you, not being shy about that, like it's okay. It's at, like that should not, shouldn't, shouldn't create that barrier for you to write observations and observe. Your team should support you. If you just need a little bit longer to write observations, your team should be able to factor that in for you. Yeah. So I think it's being open and honest and fingers crossed you're in a supportive team that understands that and will help you to achieve that goal because just because you struggle with write, like I'm not the best at forming sentences. I'll no. write things and Ben will go, can I just reword that? Like, TikTok's Emily's worst. Um, I never put the captions on. TikTok's your enemy. <laughs> yeah. Because TikTok doesn't have autocorrect. So if you spell something wrong, it just sits there it wrong. It sits there. Stupid app. But... And now write things on notes and copy and paste it. <laughs> but I think it's important to have people that understand that. So like when I've got an idea and the content is there, but the sentence structure is not quite right, Ben will be like, can I just tweak that? Like you've got the information, but let's word it in a different way. So I think it's having that, having the confidence to be like, this is my weakness. Do you want to talk can about the, support it with me? Do you want to talk about the person who beefed you over the idea of reflective practice? 
I actually wanted to do a podcast on reflective oh, right, practice okay. and peer on peer. So this okay. was more about observations on children. Okay, so we're not going to talk about me, your To me, what, I think you took the humper by it a little bit more <laughs> than I did. I was trying to find the um, the response that was diplomatic, but you did that for me and jumped in. But that's a different podcast for a different okay, we'll, we'll, we'll reflective save that, practice. Yeah. We'll save that tea for later. We can do that in a different episode. But I think reflective practice and observations on each other is really important in our industry, but we will get into that another day. I think this was just about children's observations and observations on learning. Okay. Is that okay? That's fine. Are you sure? Fine. I'll save it. I think that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. Observations on children are important. I know we no longer in England have to give physical evidence of that. But from my point of view, I think they're important. I think they help us keep on track. I think they help us to be accountable for children's learning and move forward and develop ourselves, our environment and children even further. So it's not something I would ever want to stop doing. Yeah, and I think, I know we're all different, but again, if it was me and I'm leading a room, I want our observations and assessments to be real living and breathing things. I think that's my biggest, mm -hmm. and I, I want everybody to be focused on the why. So for every child, when, when I'm looking through observations, I want, I want the why. What is it? What is the most common trait of this child what is the most common aspect of their development what are they learning and then stories? from that what's the why how can we help them what not what are they struggling with most but we know we can pick every single child and we can analyze them and go right whether it be holistically across the board we can look at behavioral cognitive educational physical like all of these elements and there'll be something there that the, yeah. we need to work yeah, on there will be. and then it's about the why tell me the why behind that child what are you thinking at this very moment in time that's your observation and then from that, we'll do something and we'll intervene. We'll change our environment. We'll restructure something. And then from that, again, we'll observe. Right, okay, again, what's the why? Have we cracked it? Do we move on to something else? Have we not cracked it? Like, what is going on? And I want team meetings around that. I want discussion points around that. I want it to be living and briefing and talked about. I don't want tick list. Oh, I saw little Jimmy hold a pencil yesterday. Mm. Well, fantastic. Great. Mm. Cracking. What are you going to do with that information? Yeah. Um... So yeah, I think that was our two pence about it all. Yeah. I'm happy with that. You happy with that? I'm happy with that. You happy with that? Okay, well, hopefully it's been informative and helpful in some way. So I think it's something to share with your teams as well. If you're the only person listening to this podcast, ask them why they're not. Oh? Oh? Oh, I didn't put my phone on silent. Oh, rookie mistake. <laughs> God, the, the people I work with, I tell you. Get rid of me and bring Lucy back. Yeah, where's Lucy? Lucy? Didn't have any of these troubles with Lucy. No, I didn't. Um... But yeah, that's it from us, I think. Yep. We've got, that's it. Your Monday has begun with us, hopefully. Yep, have a good week. Have a fabulous week. I'm hoping we're celebrating a Super Bowl win. Yeah, let's go Niners. Let's go Niners. Bang, bang, Niners. Everybody, our demographic of people listening to this podcast. Don't care about the Super Bowl. <laughs> Probably the Don't care. furthest removed from the Super Bowl. There might be a couple of people that think, oh, I've heard about that from because of Taylor Swift. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, but she's on the wrong side. Yeah, unfortunately. Taylor Swift is the enemy in this. <laughs> Only for Sunday, and then we carry on loving Taylor Swift. I don't know, it depends how Sunday goes. Might have to burn her at a stake. <laughs> don't sacrifice that. Oh, I probably can't God. say that. I guess I don't know the Swifties. No, maybe cut that bit out. I think we just got cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so have a fabulous week. I hope this podcast's been informative. Um, Any questions, find us on socials, drop us a message. Yeah, we're well, hearing everyone's opinions in the comments, so it's really interesting to hear. Unless you're unless you beefing us. Winch, <laughs> winch, guys, I'm coming for you. Yeah. Um, and I will get the Good Morning song filmed with the girls. Yep. 
hopefully next week. They're, this, if they're up for it. Let's get this miserable weather out. We're actually recording this on a Friday for contextual purposes and it feels like it's been raining for 48 hours. It's horrible. Um, so yeah, that's it from us. Have a lovely week and we will see you in the next one. See you later, guys. Bye.